Welcome to the True Crime Squad. I'm your host, Christy Brower, and uh, welcome to this Lori Vallow trial update. And if you thought that the Melanie Gibb testimony was explosive, then you just hadn't heard about the Zulema Pestenis testimony, which was today. So we're going to get to that here in just a minute. I just want to say, Welcome to you if you are listening live or if you're listening after the fact, watching on YouTube, on our podcast streams. I know we have a lot of new listeners that have joined us in the last week because of our coverage of the trial. And I just want to say welcome to all of you. It's nice to have you here. And yeah, to say that today was mind-blowing is an understatement. If you have been following Katie and I through this journey of three years of covering this case, you know that we have been saying literally for years that we believe that Zulema Pastenis knows a lot about what happened in this case. And we have wondered all along what that is. Because right after Zulema's husband, Alex Cox, died on December 12th of 2019, Zulema got an attorney same day and has not said a word publicly. And so we've all had questions. What did Zulema know? What was her involvement here? How was she connected? And why did she lawyer up so quickly? Well, I think we have the answers to many of those questions now. And I'm going to tell you all about it. One thing I want to clarify quickly, because there were some things said about uh, Zulema and immunity. And we know that Zulema has conditional use immunity in Arizona. Now that does not apply to this case at all. This has to do with the incidents that occurred in Arizona. So Charles' death, Alex's death, um, the shooting of Brandon Boudreaux, those kinds of things. So, um, she does not have anything in Idaho that we know of. Now, that doesn't mean she doesn't have something because we've questioned all along if she and Melanie G and Melanie P didn't all have some kind of immunity because they are part of this conspiracy. There is a, as um, Prosecutor Smith said it, and I keep saying it because it's so important, there is a common scheme here that makes this conspiracy. Now, sometimes in a conspiracy, not all of the people involved in the conspiracy actually face charges. That can be for immunity reasons. That can also be because although they knew about some things happening, they didn't actually participate in the crimes. There's a lot of that um, going on here. And we know that in the conspiracy, like in the charging documents, it says the conspiracy includes Alex Cox, Chad Daybell, Lori Daybell, and known or unknown co-conspirators. Now that left the door open when um, the grand jury charged them to allow for adding conspirators in. And after hearing Melanie Gibbs 
um, testimony. Clearly, she's a co-conspirator, at least to some extent. extent. And Sulema is very much a co-conspirator. But again, they didn't actually participate in the murders. But what did they know? We've been asking literally for years, what does Zulema Pestenis know? We actually, I think, have an episode called that, that we did early on, giving the little bit that we did know about Zulema. But today was, whoa, in court. So let me go through it with you. Um, if you've listened, um, good luck, because Zulema is very soft-spoken. Um, she can be tough to hear. I had a tough, tough time hearing her. It was really nice that Prosecutor Smith had a tendency to repeat back what she had heard her say, uh, because there were times that it was very difficult to catch exactly what she did say. But let's go through it. Let's talk about it. Um, so an interesting thing that happened, the first the first thing that start that happened when we started this morning was that um, Officer Duncan from Arizona Police was on the stand for... Um, just finishing up his testimony. And he is the officer who testified uh, about Charles' murder and then about a bunch of other, um, like, iCloud stuff, stuff in the iCloud. And so we'll go over that first quickly. Um, once he was released, then... Um, the attorneys and the judge actually left the courtroom and went out in the hall, which was weird. Um, then they came back in and they sent the, the jury out. And then they hashed out this issue where um, apparently there were questions about uh, Zulema's criminal history and what... Um, what the defense or what the prosecutor had to report and what the defense was allowed to ask her about. So there was a question about whether she'd ever had a felony. And the thing is about 25 years ago, Zulema did have some kind of drug related charge, but it was um, wiped from her record basically. And that, that can happen if you're a first time offender and you go a certain number of years without another a uh, criminal charge, then you can actually get that expunged in some way. And that's what had happened with Zulema. And so the judge did rule that, yeah, this isn't something that can be addressed. And they had said that, um, that, uh, or the, the judge had said, you can't use this. And also that um, the, the uh, defense had said that they weren't planning to do that anyway, but we, they needed to clarify that because they didn't want any kind of a criminal history to be used to basically impeach her testimony, to make her sound like she couldn't be trusted. And so that's where it all began. But first we did hear some interesting things. Um, from Duncan and I'm just trying to get, Facebook is not cooperating with me like super well. Do you guys ever notice how Facebook filters, starts filtering your comments? And I've even said, I don't want my comments filter, filtered. I want to see everything. And it is not showing me everything. So let me pull up my phone so that I can look at my, um, 
so that I can look at my Twitter feed because I want to be able to get this all in order so that you can hear this because this is this was powerful stuff today. This was maybe at least one of the most important um, uh, testimonies that we're going to hear in this case, I think. That's my, that's my personal opinion, just based on how close Zulema was to this situation and how she, how much more she knew even than Melanie G. And, and Melanie G knew a lot. But let me get this pulled up to the beginning. Sorry, I thought I had it up on Facebook. And Facebook's being a jerk. So, okay. But I wanted, I did want to talk about the things that, um, that Duncan talked about too. Because there were a lot of messages, um, a lot of things that came through. Because Duncan did a bunch of research into um, their iCloud accounts and we learned a bunch of stuff so the madison county viewing room was really busy today there were about 25 people in there uh there was a lot of yeah i know i know it says it just stacks backwards with newest but it still doesn't it filters them out like i still wasn't seeing everything in order but my twitter feed is giving me that so it was a very, it was a very busy room today and it was a rather loud and kind of boisterous room i had to ask people to shush a few times because particularly when Zulema was testifying she was very quiet and it was a little bit hard to hear her um when they first started court in session we got horrible microphone feedback which I thought that's just kind of summing up this case isn't it so detective Duncan was back on the stand so they had objected to this um this evidence from yesterday because the defense said they didn't have it and they went back and forth and stuff. So they got that worked out. So what that was, was um, some copies of things that he had downloaded from Lori and Charles iCloud accounts. Uh, let's see. So he went through Char Charles Vallow's iCloud account and cell phone and just kind of talking about like some of the, weren't there bailiffs to keep order there? There's only one now. There were two people. There's only one now. And he just kind of sits at a desk. He doesn't really say anything. Like I literally had to personally shush some people. I'm not usually like that, but I had to be able to hear, right? So Duncan starts talking about this email and you'll all remember this because we talked about this years ago supposedly um charles sent an email to chad charles sent an email to chad saying i want to hire you to ghostwrite my biography and i want to bring you to arizona and you can stay with us so we can talk about it right and that email came from this email address that was said to be owned by someone named karen walker now, if you're a Will and Grace fan, I just, that name killed me. I thought it was really funny. Um, unfortunately, though, Lori's not the best criminal because although she made up the the owner's name of the email address, the uh, cell phone that was attached to it was Lori's phone. 
So what happens is Charles finds out about the email and he and Lori start having real bad back and forth. And he's accusing her of having an affair. And he says he's going to move back to um, Houston and I'm taking JJ with me. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Like he's like, I'm, I'm about done here. And then there are messages between Charles and Lori where he is threatening to contact Tammy Daybell. And he's got her, he gets her email address and then he gets her cell phone number. And, uh, and he basically gives her an ultimatum. If you don't explain this by this day and this time, I'm going to contact her and I'm going to tell her what I know. And I'm going to tell her that her husband and my wife are having an affair. And he actually does do that. He sends two emails, one on the 29th of June, 2019, and one on the 30th of June, 2019. So he sends one to her personal email and one to her home address or to her work email. Um, there's no evidence that Tammy ever responded, but the emails were basically, I need to talk to you about your husband and my wife. And, and the one that he sends to her personal email address, he says, they are having an affair. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but you know, I want to talk to you. So yeah, she knew. Tammy knew. That's, we've had questions about that. And we'd heard a little bit about this before, but this is confirmation. Um, there are a lot of emails back and forth between Charles and Lori and Charles is really heartbroken over the affair. He's also really mad at her for going to the Mormon temple and doing all this Mormon stuff while she's also having an affair, because that's what uh, Mormons refer to as apostasy, which is basically the very worst thing that you can do, which is to, you know, pretend like you're being a good Mormon while you're not being a good Mormon. Uh, yeah, Tammy did, they think, delete the emails. Um, do you think she deleted it because she didn't want to know Tammy in the email? I Either that or she just didn't want Chad to know that she knew. Because there are some family members who have talked about that they also had suspicions and had been trying to help Tammy get away from Chad. Even Chad's own sister-in-law was one of them. So... We don't know for sure what Tammy knew, but we do know she received those emails. Um, so then on July 1st, Charles tells Lori that he's going to go to Rexburg and he's going to talk to Tammy Daybell. He wants to talk to her face to face. He's had enough of this. And Lori has the gall to say, go ahead. She's my friend and she won't talk to you. Now, remember, that's July 1st. Charles was murdered on July 11th, same year. So on July 11th, Charles sends a message to Lori's brother, Adam Cox. And they, Adam had come into town and they were going to have kind of an intervention with Lori, try to figure out what was going on. Now we know from some previous interviews that Lori's mother actually tipped her on that and that she knew that that was potentially happening. So the message to Adam Cox was that Alex is here and they are planning something. Those were sent the morning that he was shot. So he came to the house to get JJ 
to take him to school. So it was kind of a ruse. I'm going to come see JJ, but it was also that Adam was going to show up and they were going to try to have a talk with her about what the hell was going on. Uh, those were the last messages that Charles sent from his phone. And Charles' phone was actually located in that, like by GPS was located in that house. So then they go through this whole process of basically proving that the iCloud accounts that they have do belong to Lori based on device IDs that were using those accounts and cell phone numbers. You know, because it's a big thing. They want to make sure that, yes, these emails and messages were, in fact, Lori's. She knew about them. She sent them. This is her account. So there's a big thing around that. Um, so on multiple occasions in March of 2019, Alex and Lori were having text message conversations about getting rid of Ned. So Ned was the name of one of the demons that had taken over Charles' body. In one of those messages, Lori said to Alex, get rid of Ned already. The messages do seem to imply that she'd been pressuring uh, Alex to get rid of Charles long before it actually happened. Um, so... Let's see. Then, oh, there was another message from a friend named Nicole who was one of the people in the circles, the casting circles that uh, Lori was doing. And we'll talk more about that when we get to, to Zulema, letting Lori know that Tammy Daybell had died. So this was um, like, so the, the word starts getting out. This was at six o'clock in the morning, Hawaii time. And Lori said she was in Hawaii uh, when she got this message. Then later that day, Lori gets another message from Melanie Gibb telling her that Tammy Daybell died. In those messages, Lori pretends that she didn't know. Because gross, right? Then there's another message in there from Lori to Colby, her oldest son, referencing Tylee and asked him if he got the money Tylee sent him. She had Tylee's phone and she used it to send Venmo to Colby for his birthday. And so this was her pretending to be Tylee on that phone and, and then asking Colby if he got the Venmo from Tylee that she had also sent. So then we get to this other iCloud account. And this iCloud account was one that she created on July 1st. And she started using that to message Alex Cox. It was also assigned to a different device. And we know that Lori had a different phone that she used to speak to Charles. And she was also messaging Alex on that phone. Um, this came about uh, starting around July 1st as well, that Alex needed to stay close and that she needed Melanie Gibb to also stay close um, because something that she was at risk right before they killed Charles. She started telling people that Charles was going to kill her just, you know, to try to muddy the waters a little bit more. And if you'll remember, Melanie Gibb actually stayed with Lori the day before Charles died. 
So she and Alex were sticking pretty close right there, knowing that something was going on. Uh, and then there's the message. Right. And I'm not, I don't know that Chad's kids are supporting him. They are not in court. There's, they've, they've showed no, there's nothing um, going on with them, which I think is good because I don't think anybody can take uh, the idea that they're supportive of him at this point, you know? So then there were, there were some more messages between Lori and Chad, and this is going to clear up a problem that came up with Melanie Gibb. And this is just Melanie Gibb remembering things wrong. There's a message from Lori to Chad. This is on July 18th. So this is the week after Charles death saying that she got a letter from the insurance company that she is not the beneficiary of Charles life insurance. She clearly didn't know until this point. Um, Chad tried to tell her that she would have had to agree to that change. And so maybe somebody forged that, um, forged her signature. They were kind of implying in the text that it was Kay. And the problem is that isn't true. Charles on that policy, he could change it whenever he wanted. Um, Blake asked uh, Detective Duncan specifically, was there any evidence that Lori knew before Charles' death that she wasn't his beneficiary? And he said, no, there was nothing to indicate that. Um, so Lori confirms in a message to Chad that the, the beneficiary change happened in March of 2020. And that's when Lori had run off to Hawaii and Kay was helping him. And had, he had told Kay, I'm going to make you my beneficiary so that you can use that money to take care of JJ and give my son some money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Kat. <laughs> Chad's insurance understanding is limited, just like his talent as a writer. Agreed. Yeah, she had assumed that she was the beneficiary. Um, she did confirm, though, that she would still be getting the Social Security. So she got Social Security for, from Charles um, because they'd been married for more than 10 years. Then she got Social Security for JJ for Charles because Charles was his dad. And then she was also getting Social Security for Tylee because Tylee's dad was dead, too. And so they're sort of slowly getting in all of these deaths, even though some of them they cannot reference directly. The prosecution can't. Through statements like this, they're able to let the jury know, hey, Tylee's dad is dead. Guess what? Later on, Alex is dead. You know, even though those those deaths don't come in specifically, the, I'm sure the jury is doing the math. Like, how many people are dead here? Let's see. Oh, this one kills me. Um, and I see that I spelled it wrong in my Twitter feed, but whatever. Um, <laughs> there was a message from Chad comparing himself to Harry Potter, saying that it was like living with the Dursleys, referring to his own family, his wife and children. It's so rude. It's so disrespectful. Uh, and then saying that, you know, at times it was like going to Hogwarts when he got to live with his goddess lover. Gag. He also said Tammy is getting close. Her numbers are dropping. She's getting ready to die. But yeah, can you, that Harry Potter reference is so gross. This is also um, 
We've heard this before, but Alex sends a text message to Lori. I set up the new Wi-Fi password. This was after they were in Rexburg and the password was too many kids. And this was just literally a few, a week maybe before Tylee died. And Lori responded with funny. Right. I, I feel for the jury too, Snow Queen. Um, it's a lot. I cannot imagine. It's a lot to me, and I've been on this case for three years. I cannot imagine just stepping into this, trying to make sense of all this, because it's insane. And this is even before we get to all of the spiritual beliefs. Um, oh, and then another time in Chad and Lori's text messaging, Chad wonders if the life insurance beneficiary was changed before or after Charles had two bullets in his chest gross. Yeah. So then um, another exhibit is entered and we start hearing messages from Zulema Pastenis, her phone um, and Charles Ballow's iCloud account. Um, the defense tries to oh, um object to this. Apparently this has been in one of their closed door meetings that the judge has already ruled that all of Zulema's stuff is coming in. And the only reason it is, is because she is a co-conspirator. That's why they can bring in Melanie G. It's why they can bring in um, Zulema. It may be why they can bring in Melanie Boudreaux um, and some of those, you know, others. Let's see. Oh yeah, messages from Zulema's phone from Lori start they start referring to um the various names of the of the demons that have taken over Charles. So first there was Garrett, and then they 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 cast out Garrett. So then Ned came in and Ned was even stronger. And they cast out Ned, and then in comes Hiplos. And then, you know, they're going to be doing some more casting against him to try to get, get that one out. So then a message, and this is in July, July 2nd of 2019. So I know these jump around quite a bit. Yeah, Deb, I, oh, you found this first on more, but yes, it, it is a very interesting case, but oh my gosh, it is so much to keep track of. But in, on July 2nd of 2019, Zulema says to Lori, I've been given the instructions to rip, tear the aura of Hiplos to let the entity out. Um, message from Chad. So proud of you and Lolo. Mother Earth is so proud of you. He's giving these instructions to Zulema of what they're supposed to be doing. Because what they're trying to do is they're, they're trying to, they're trying to kill Charles. At one point, they're casting on him at a time when Lori knows that he's driving. So they're trying to do something to him that will cause him to have a car accident. Um, then there's a message from Chad to Zulema offering her a blessing if she would like one. Chad's just giving people blessings all over the place. And he says it is such a relief that Charles is gone. And this is after Charles' murder. Um more messages, you know, that happened in June um, before Charles' murder from Lori and Zulema about attacking him. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And then, of course, the, the Karen Walker email that is Lori. Um, so this is another one. So on April 21st of 2019, Karen Walker sends an email to Chad asking him to come speak at a Mormon church event in Houston, Texas. Um, offering him a plane ticket and a place to stay. This, of course, is a fake invitation from Lori. This is while Charles was living in Houston and Lori had showed back up at Charles' house. But she was also bringing her lover in. And Chad responds and says, yeah, he'd love to, and that he's going to accept accepting the invitation. He's going to go to Houston to visit. Right, and they're casting while, you know, Charles is driving and JJ's in the car. It's pretty clear at this point that Lori doesn't give a damn about her kids, even, you know, leading up to all this. Um, Blake asked Duncan, Detective Duncan, if he'd passed these messages on to all the other law enforcement agencies that were involved in this case. And he said that he had. And that's where she ended her um, examination of him. So, so Thomas gets up like he's going to cross-examine Duncan. Then he asks for just a minute and he talks with Archibald. And then he stands up and he says, well, based on our prior objections that we don't think that this should have been allowed in at all, no questions. And Duncan is released. So they didn't even cross-examine this uh, detective, which was, seems like there's not a lot of trying going on here. And it's very possible that they just don't have anything, you know? Let's see. So... This whole time, Lori is just sitting at the table. She's wearing, she was wearing a black jacket today. She's kind of behind a computer monitor from where I can see her. So it's hard to see her face. She's mostly just like looking down, writing or drawing or whatever on her paper, on her like notebook. Let's see. So then court goes into recess for 30 minutes. So then they have this big sidebar and this argument about Zulema and her criminal history. And then they decide that, you know, they're just not going to bring it up. And the other thing that they brought up is that Zulema had her attorney with her. Do you remember this guy? He's the attorney from Arizona that represented her and Summer. He's the guy that Brandon Boudreaux sued for defamation and won like $12 million or something from? Well, he's still representing Zulema and he was with her and in the courtroom. Uh, the defense had a little trouble with that because he's not uh, licensed in Idaho. He's not really, he's not really representing her. She was, she's not a defendant. She was a witness. So they decided that that was fine. And, um, so then Prosecutor Smith is who questions Zulema. And I got to say, she did a beautiful job. Zulema was incredibly nervous at the beginning. She could barely get her words out. And it got better over time. She was really, really nervous. And But um, Smith did a great job with her. So she asks when she met Lori. Lori and Chad and 
Zulema and Melanie Gibb all met right around the same time in fall of 2018. Zulema knew Melanie Gibb because they lived in the same Mormon ward at the time. Let's see here. Um, she met Lori at Melanie Gibb's house. Melanie was, they were like, Lori was going to give a talk. It was one of those fireside things that we've talked about already. And Lori was there and she was giving testimony that she'd had visitations with angels, particularly the angel Moroni, who is a, is a Mormon angel, but he's not a real well-known angel. Um, and that she had also had a personal in-person witness with Jesus Christ. She says that she's met Jesus Christ in person while in the Mormon temple. And Zulema just got real stars in her eyes over that. She said that she thought that that meant that Lori had a very high spiritual standing and was very righteous. And that she believed that Lori had, in fact, had a physical conversation with Jesus and that this is the highest spiritual experience a person can have. So you can see that right away. You can see that Zulema is a fairly um, vulnerable person, a lot like Melanie G. And, you know, she was sucked in really quickly by these big stories that Lori was telling. So after they met uh, for the first time, then they decided to go to um, one of the preparing the preparing a people conferences. And this was in St. George, Utah. So Zulema and Lori and Melanie Gibb and a couple of other women rode there uh, in the same car. And this is when um, they really got to know each other pretty well. This preparing a people conference was about preparing people for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Cause that was kind of their big thing is that they were getting ready Jesus Christ is coming back. There's going to be the 144,000. They're these most righteous people and that they were all preparing for this. So when you ask about, were they in a cult? Were they, what were they doing? This is what they were doing. Um, Chad Daybell was there and Zulema had actually already met Chad at a previous conference and had read some of his books and got, she was real starry eyed about him too. There was a real um, fangirl kind of energy about her when she talked about Chad and Lori when she first met them. Um, she remembers noticing right away that Chad, that Lori was real flirtatious with Chad and she spent all of her time at his booth helping him sell his books during this event. Uh, let's see. Oh, so on the way home, after they helped him pack up his stuff and he left and then they get in the car to go back home. And Lori says they need to look up uh, James the Last. James the Last is a character in the Book of Mormon. Um, and Zulema said that they needed to look that up because Lori said that, Jane, that Chad had been James the Last in a previous life and that Lori was his wife at that time. So this is immediately where the past life stuff starts coming in which is weird because Mormons don't believe in past lives. This is not a Mormon belief at all, but they all just kind of fell into it really easily. Zulema did and the rest of them too. They just, they were pretty mesmerized by Chad and Maury and their combination, the two of them together 
they really sucked people in. They got them right hooked right away. And that, that was very clear with Zulema. Um, Smith brings out some photos that basically just confirm that they were all there together at that same event. Um, let's see. So then um, after that, Zulema went to another preparing a people conference. And this one was in Mesa, Arizona. And Chad and Lori were both there as well. And Lori uh, was very sweet, Zulema said, and she invited Zulema to come back to her house. So this is the weekend that Charles was out of town that um, Lori has a bunch of people from the Preparing the People conference stay overnight at her house, including Chad. So they invite Zulema over. Zulema has, had been having, she was really struggling and she saw Chad as a real spiritual leader for her. She texted him frequently, talked to him a lot, um, asking for his help and for his, asking him questions and stuff. She definitely saw him as some kind of a, a, a spiritual support for her. And he had told her if she would come over to Lori's house that he would give her a blessing. So she decided to go and, you know, we've talked a little bit about blessings that this is something that Mormon men receive what's called the priesthood and then they can give these blessings. And Chad was just handing them out right and left. Um, the, Zulema really at this point came across as being a very vulnerable person. Uh, Chad did give Zulema a blessing. Um, he told her she was a very special person and that she was going to do important things. And also that he was glad to know her and gave her a lot of praise. There were, I think that they've used a lot of like flattery and love bombing type cult leader um, indoctrination skills. And for people who are fairly vulnerable, that really worked. And you're going to see as we talk about this, it, it really worked for a lot of people. Um, Zulema did tell an interesting story, though. She went outside with Chad and Lori, and she felt like a real third wheel. She could tell that there was something going on between the two of them, and Lori was really flirting, and they were playing basketball in her backyard, and Zulema decided to go in, and so Chad was going to go in with her, and Lori said, why are you afraid of me? And when she said that, Chad stayed outside with her, and Zulema went inside. So they talk about, you know, other times that Zulema spent time with Chad and Lori and Melanie. Uh, she remembers another time when they, Chad and Lori were um, at Melanie G's house because they were doing a podcast. Um, so they invite Zulema to lunch and Chad tells Zulema, she's really, he's really excited to tell her some stuff about herself but didn't want to say it in front of Melanie G. And we still don't clearly know why or if this was more manipulation techniques, which I think it probably was. So Chad called her to tell her. He called her and told her all about how he explains like the dark and light ratings that he gives people. And he told her about how light she was, that she was a 4.2 light. Of course, Lori was a 4.3 light because she always had to be a little higher. Um. She then also says that Chad told her about her five past lives. 
and that in the one that she remembered the most clearly, she was Lori's daughter. And that in that lifetime, she at 14 was raped, killed, and dismembered. And that Lori was killed at that same time. A little creepy and a little foreshadowing. Um, another time, Lori invited Zulema to lunch. And at lunch, she drew out this diagram. And they showed some pictures of the diagram. And the diagram is just some circles and stuff. It doesn't make a ton of sense. But it was basically about how probations and pro they're, they're saying probations like lifetimes um, are created and how many worlds there are and how people progress through getting lighter, you know, getting stronger in the light or stronger in the dark. Um, uh, Prosecutor Smith wanted to know, how does Zulema know that? Or how did Lori know that information? And Zulema said that Lori didn't say, but she assumed it came from Chad. And they did have lots of other conversations in which it, it definitely did come from Chad. Um, Lori also then had told Zulema that Charles had turned dark. And she had started to refer to him as Garrett, which was the first demon, apparently, that took over Charles. And he'd been acting different and that he actually was shorter now. He wasn't as tall as he used to be. Zulema said that this was in February of 2019. So this was about the time that things really started getting bad in their marriage. Um, let's see. Zulema also remembers that when they were in St. George, Lori had told her that she and Charles were having financial problems. And she'd also told her about having $60,000 in life insurance that she had received from Joseph Ryan's death, Tylee's dad, and that that money was gone. Another opportunity to bring in Joe Ryan's death, even though it was deemed natural causes and there's nothing we can do about that at this point, still bringing it in like, hey, here's another dead spouse. Uh, let's see. Oh, when they brought up, when when um, she brought up Joseph Ryan, the defense jumped right up and, and um, objected and said that they thought that she knew where she was going with this. I'm quite sure she, they're not allowed to speak about Joe Ryan's death directly and about how he died. Um, and Judge, you know, Smith said she was not going to be going there. They clearly knew already what they were going to be talking about. Um, so then she keeps going. Um, at one point, apparently Lori told Zulema that she was worried, really worried about Charles being a demon because she had slept with him twice before she knew he was a demon. Because she didn't know he was a demon until Charles or until Chad told her that Charles was a demon. Um, and so they talked about ways of trying to get the demon out. Um, and then this is when things get real interesting. So Zulema talks about having Lori and some other friends over to her house. And Lori draws them the same diagram and teaches them the same light and dark information that she had already taught Zulema. And then she tells them that they need, she needs their help to cast out the demon that is in Charles. This is when they're casting out Garrett. And she taught them how to do a casting and they all stood in a circle and held hands and she gave them different tools, which was basically whatever skill they were going to use. Like Zulema's was fire. So she was going to use fire against the demon that had Charles and she explained, you know, they were going to be doing this. Um, thank you, Misty, for that, by the way. 
um, the super chat is on, um, you know, in, in YouTube, if you feel, um, inclined to give us a tip there, it's always appreciated. So they're talking about doing this casting and then they do the casting, uh, holding hands and, you know, Zulema's trying to explain the process and the process gets a little clearer later on when they start going through Zulema's journal where she has written all this stuff down. Um, Then Zulema remembers that, that Lori left him when she, she left him. And if you might remember uh, before she went to Hawaii, she stole his keys and a bunch of his other belongings and stranded him at the airport. And he didn't even have keys to get into his vehicle. If you'll remember, that was a big mess he had. And Zulema asked her why she did all of that. And she said that she was being instructed to do all of these things. Um, Smith wanted to know if Zulema and the other women that helped with the casting, including Melanie G, um, if they believed Lori about the casting and about how this worked and that Charles had a demon and stuff. Um, and Zulema said, yeah, that, that Lori is charming and convincing. And also because Lori had been visited by heavenly beings, they, they knew she, that she didn't think that she could lie. I, which I find very interesting. It starts to show you how indoctrinated these folks were. And they talked about and gave the names of other people that were in the castings. I didn't include their names in the tweets because unless we actually see them in court, I don't think we need to mess with anybody else's lives because they, they just helped with the castings. They didn't really know what they were doing. I don't think. Um, they, um, Oh, they submitted some pictures into evidence that were pictures of them doing the castings. Uh, so Lori had to ask Chad if the casting had worked because, you know, it always goes back to Chad. He's the only one who can tell, right? Uh, Chad said it had, but another bigger demon had immediately possessed Charles and that's Ned. And this demon was more skilled and more powerful than Garrett and that they were going to have to do another casting. Just, you know, that goalpost moving that cults like to do. It's like when they predict the end of the world, the end of the world doesn't come. Then they have a reason why. And then they move on and keep doing the same stuff. Sound familiar? Um, so then the next casting was also held at Zulema's house. It was all the same people as before, except that Alex Cox was also there. Apparently, when they did the first casting... Chad had told Zulema that Alex was in his first probation, which was his first lifetime on earth. And he wasn't ready to handle things like that. And that they weren't to talk to him about it because he wouldn't understand. Well, Chad must've been doing some teaching to Alex because at this point he said, Oh, Alex's rating has changed and he's much more powerful now. And he was super excited to do this and find out more about who he was in other lives and stuff. And so he assisted again. So Lori controlled the casting just like the first time, assigned all the roles. And she said she was confident that the casting would work this time because they were all fasting prior to the casting. And that's a big thing in Mormonism, to fast in order to make something happen, to fast in order to get a blessing. So they were all fasting prior to doing this. Um, and after it was over, Lori told them that the casting had worked. Right? I know, Phyllis. Whew. Yes. 
Okay, so Smith wanted to know if people that are possessed with a demon are dangerous. And Zulema said, yes. Um, Smith asked if Alex believed that. And Z said that Alex believed it more than anyone did. She repeatedly said, Alex believed everything that Laurie and Chad said. Absolutely, 100%, everything. Now get this. Laurie said uh, that Ned was cast out, but he was... Uh, but then an even more strong demon named Hiplos came. So they were going to have to do a third casting. Changing the goalposts, guys. So the third casting had to be done on a conference call because this, by this point, Lori is in Houston. Um, Alex was not at this casting, but Melanie Boudreaux was, and they did it on, on the phone. Actually, they did several of those trying to cast out Hiplos, but apparently it never worked because, you know, they got to get to the point where Chad becomes a zombie so that then they can just kill him. So Lori tells Zulema at this point that Charles has moved to Houston and he's moving, he's moved there to see doctors that can help him because he's possessed by a demon. Not because he was moving to be closer to his sister to get help to take care of JJ, which was the actual truth. Um, Zulema said that Alex also knew that, that that's why Charles went um, Smith asked Zulema if she knew why Charles stayed with Lori, with if Lori, why Lori stayed with Charles after he was possessed, and she said it was due to money. Yeah, because if you'll know, Lori never really has a job, there's always someone else there taking care of her, right? Phyllis fasting to kill people that is a new one, you're right. So then Smith starts asking Zulema about Charles' death. What, do you, what did you know about that time? Zulema said that um, Lori had a real strong connection to the numbers 7 and 11 and that she thinks that they, they picked that date for that reason. Um, Lori said that it was all orchestrated by God because it happened on 7-11. Right, Chad was most definitely envious of Charles, definitely. Um, Lori told Zulema that Charles had rented a house in Chandler for Lori and the kids and that Charles came to the house to take JJ to school. Um, then she kind of outlines the, the, the fight that happens, you know, Lori took his phone. So he goes out to the car with JJ, realizes he doesn't have his phone, comes back in to try to get the phone from Lori. Lori will not give it to him. He and Alex start having a, a confrontation. Tylee, who has literally been trained to be afraid of Charles by her mother, comes out of her bedroom with a bat because that poor kid at this point was terrified and had a baseball bat because things were wrong in her life and she knew it. Well, she went after Charles with the baseball bat, according to Lori, and telling him that he needed to leave. Charles took the bat from Tylee and hit uh, um, Alex in the back of the head with it. Honestly, if he really had done that, I think there would have been way more damage. Um, so Alex and um, Charles are fighting and then Alex gets his gun and he shoots Charles. And then the police come and question them and the police say it's self-defense. This is what Lori's telling Zulema about what happened. Um, after he died, 
Lori told Zulema that she had more steps to do in order to usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. She said Charles' death was part of this. Um, Zulema didn't know if Alex knew that, uh, but we're pretty sure he did. So Lori told Zulema that Chad said that she needed to move to Rexburg and said that um, Chad said that Rexburg was going to be a protected place because all these other countries were going to start um, attacking the U.S. and that there were going to be warriors in the Rexburg, Idaho area to defend people. Uh, so then we took a break for lunch. And after lunch, uh, Zulema back on the stand. So she reminds Zulema that they're talking about, you know, after Lori moved to Rexburg. And Zulema confirms that Alex also moved to Rexburg and that her children, Lori did have her children with her at the time that they moved. So Lori and Alex did live in the same apartment complex. And Lori had told Zulema that she had social security income coming in the, to the tune of $6,000 a month um, for herself, um, JJ and Tylee. And that's what she was living on because Zulema was very puzzled by this whole move to Rexburg and no job. And like, how are your husband's dead? How are you going to support yourself? And you can't be with Chad because this Tammy was still living at this point. So Zulema had a lot of questions for her friend, you know? Um, so then Zulema visited them in Rexburg. Um, and she stayed with Alex because about this time she and Alex had gotten pretty close and it was not long after this that they started dating. Uh, Zulema asked about Tylee. Lori said Tylee had to be freed. And Zulema asked what that meant. And Lori held her hand up to Zulema's face and said, don't ask. I found that very chilling. Uh, Zulema had also told Lori, or Zulema said Lori told her that both of the kids were being attacked by demons. She said Tylee was possessed by a demon named Hillary. That's a pretty funny name for a demon. Um, and she said that she had to get rid of JJ's service dog, Bailey, because the dog made JJ more susceptible to demons. And so Lori gave the dog away. They really wanted to get that in. They tried to get the dog in with uh, Melanie Gibb and got um, overruled on an objection. But I think that the defense or that the prosecution really wanted the jury to know that Lori got rid of everything in JJ's life. His father, his service dog, his sister, and then him. Because at that point, JJ was really acting up and giving them a lot of trouble. Well, yeah, of course he was. Everything that gave him any kind of stability was gone out of his life. On that visit, Zulema said that Chad and Lori aggressively tried to get her to move to Rexburg to help with the work they were doing. And Zulema was like, I have a job. She had a, has a job in Gilbert. She works as a job coach. A lot of people have said, life coach and the defense thought it was life coach she works as a job coach i know exactly what that is i used to work as a job coach when i was in college she helps people with disabilities find jobs and keep their jobs um zulema said she didn't want to leave her job and you know couldn't afford to move to rexburg and Lori said don't worry melanie boudreau has enough for all of us we've heard that before so the thing I love about Zulema, 
that's different than um, Melanie uh, Gibb is that Zulema questioned Lori all the time. She asked her why a lot. So um, Zulema actually told Melanie Boudreau, um, we don't have the insanity defense, Moonbeam. Idaho doesn't have it. Uh, there is no insanity defense here, so they, they couldn't have used it. Um, but Zulema told Melanie B that Lori had said that about her money because she had quite a settlement, several hundred thousand dollars settlement uh, from her divorce from Brandon Boudreaux. And Melanie B said that what Lori said about her money made her really sad. Interesting. Zulema really gives us a different view into most people because she's a very curious person and she asks a lot of questions. So then um, at that same visit, Chad gave Zulema a blessing and he said that the savior was standing right next to her and, and telling him what to say to her and telling her that all of her sins were forgiven and Alex and Lori were present. Yeah, the mental health issues. I know, right? You know why they're not using those? Because Lori will not allow it. Lori will not allow her mental health to be brought in. Chad also gave Alex a blessing, said the same thing, that the Savior was standing right there and that all of his sins were forgiven. And apparently Alex started sobbing when Chad said that. Uh, let's see. Chad, Chad had given Zulema several blessings and they were a lot about that she was going to be getting married soon. And then Zulema and Alex started dating. And then, you know, they started saying that those two should get married. So this visit was in like um, two or three days for in September of 2019. So then on Halloween, October 31st, 2019, Melanie Boudreau and Alex visited Zulema and stayed at Zulema's house. And this is when Zulema, and so this was about a week after, well, not a week. It was not long after her visit to uh, Rexburg, but that's when they really started dating. And then Zulema came back to Rexburg on November 7th, um, and Chad and Lori weren't there. The kids weren't there. Nobody. It was just Alex. And while she was there, they got... Um, pictures from Chad and Lori getting married in Hawaii. Uh, there was no sign of the kids though, because by this point they were already dead. Um, so Zulema went back to Arizona and then she didn't really hear anything from Lori and Chad clear up to Thanksgiving. And about that time, Alex, she found out that Alex was not getting much communication from them either. And that he was really angry about it. And he said he couldn't believe that they would stop talking to him after everything he's done for them. Uh, Zlema remembers hearing that Tammy um, was shot at. Melanie Gibb called to tell her about it. Um, and, well, Melanie Gibb also called to tell her um, about Tammy dying on the day that she died. Zulema was with Lori the night that Tammy was shot at, that we believe was Alex shooting at her. Uh, Lori was in Arizona and was visiting Melanie Boudreaux when that happened. And um, 
they invited Zulema over. Lori said that um, Tammy had been to possessed by a demon named Viola at that point, and that Z uh, Lori needed Zulema's help to cast out the demon. They did a casting to try to cast out Viola. And then right after the casting, Lori got a phone call and she was very angry on the phone. And the person she was talking to, she was yelling at them and calling them an idiot and a moron. And when she got off the phone, she said, idiot, he can't do anything right. Because he missed when he shot at Tammy. He had a problem with that gun and he didn't kill her. She was supposed to die that day. Um, after Tammy died, Lori told Zulema that Chad was moving in with her in her apartment. And Zulema asked if maybe that was a little soon for that. And I guess Lori just didn't respond. She, I'm really impressed with Zulema how much she questioned Lori. Um, after their wedding in Hawaii, Chad and Lori flew into Arizona and were there overnight and asked um, Zulema to come visit them at, at their hotel. It was at this time that Zulema was asking about Lori's kids and where they were while these guys were in Hawaii getting married. And Lori, you know, kind of implied that, uh, Charlie had been freed again and then said JJ was with Kay. They were both definitely dead at this point. So then Zulema married Alex on December 1st of 2019. Um, it was not long after that that Melanie G, Melanie Gibb, called Zulema really upset and very concerned um, about Chad and Lori and that she said that she thinks that JJ and Tyler are missing and that they've been deceived by Chad and Lori and that they were doing something wrong. And Zulema said she felt very confused and unsure about what to think about that information. Um, she was pretty distraught. She had trusted Chad and Lori. Uh, she talked to Alex about it and she wanted to know how can Kay be looking for JJ if he was supposed to be with her in the first place. Alex did not answer at that point. Zulema kind of got distracted for a minute there. A couple of times when things got real stressful, Zulema would get sort of distracted and have trouble focusing and it would take a minute to get her to come back. I kind of think she's probably on a medication of some sort. Her speech is very slow. Her thinking is slow. Something's going on there. So then Alex died on December 12th of 2019. They'd only been married for 12 days. Uh, the day before his death, Alex was on the phone with Chad and Lori, and they were telling him that Tammy was being exhumed. And Zulema wanted to know why that was happening. And she asked if he was involved with Tammy's death. She's starting to question, like, all these people are dying. And now Melanie G is like, I think the kids are missing. And she's starting to question what the hell's going on. Um, so she, he says, no, he tells her, no, he was not involved in Tammy's death. And so then she just really starts pressuring him. Like, why is this happening? Where are Chad and Lori? What is going on? And he was really quiet. And then he finally said, I think I'm being their fall guy. And, and Zulema, of course, wanted to know their fall guy for what. And he said 
Zulema, either I am a man of God or I am not. And that's all he would say. And he died the next day. They didn't go into Alex's death at all. I don't think they can. I think that's one of the things they can't talk about other than the fact that he did, in fact, die. And, you know, this stuff leading up to. Gosh, sorry, I know I'm going out, going over an hour. I was trying not to, but it's there's just so much, you guys. Um, so then they get some evidence admitted, and it is it's Melan, it's uh, Zulema's journal or pages of her journal that she turned over to the police because after Alex died, I think that she went, "Holy shit, what have I been drugged into?" She got an attorney that day, and she turned over some stuff, and a lot of it was just that same diagram of all of the different um, worlds and probations and how you become light and dark and how you get stronger, which basically meant the more lives you had lived in a certain probation, the stronger you became, or, you know, whether you were light or dark, you you get stronger either way. Um, also that the earth is the lowest and darkest world. And that is definitely, that is a Mormon teaching, but I think that comes from other places as well. Uh, they, okay, I'm glad you are. I'm sorry. I know these get really long, but there's just so much, but I want to be able to put it all into context with all the other things that we know. So there was another page that talked about when a person is dark, a demon can take their body and then their spirit goes to limbo. Okay. And this is one of the theories we've heard this said several times that this was the reason why they had to kill them if they became dark was because their spirit was trapped in limbo until their body died. And that was their only way to go to heaven or whatever. So um, Zulema said that Alex believed this absolutely. Um, <laughs> at this point, she's written down also that Chad taught that he was the brother of heavenly father and Jesus in one probation and that he was the Holy ghost in another probation. I had not heard those. He's putting himself up on a pretty big pedestal here. Um, there's another page that explains the rating scale um, one through six, one being the lowest uh, in light and dark. And that the number of probations basically equals whether you're a four light or a four dark. But anyway, Smith asked Zulema because they'd said that, you know, they have to destroy the person. Yeah, sorry. You see my kitty in here um, that they have to not just that they have to destroy the person. Well, Satan was Jesus's brother, right? I know funny because they also kind of called their stuff the church of the firstborn <laughs> right right why did no one stop and say what the fuck deb honestly zulema explains it very well they were charming they were very complimentary and loving and kind and they took in vulnerable people and made them feel like they were powerful and so they went along for a long time but Smith wanted to know, how do you have to destroy a body if it's possessed? Zulema wasn't totally sure about this, but she said what she did know was that burning a body is one way, Tylee. Destroying the body, also Tylee. Or binding the body, 
were was another way. And JJ was bound in duct tape, if you'll recall. Um, so then she brings up the papers, and we've showed these before, that Chad provided to Lori uh, explaining the rating scale and then rating all of her family members. Um, initially, Thomas objects to this and wants to know where she's seen these papers before. He's trying to imply that the prosecution um, showed it to her. And she says, no, actually, Chad showed these things to me in August of 2019. They were on his computer. So he dropped the uh, objection. So Smith asked for the ratings of several people. What was Tylee's rating? 4.1 dark. What was Charles rating? At that time, it was three light. But this was way early on in the situation. He goes dark eventually. Rating for um, Melanie Boudreaux, three light. Brandon uh, Boudreaux, three dark. And Smith just confirms with Zulema that she learned these things from Chad. And she said she did. When will Lori take the stand? We don't know if she will. Um, they were prepping the jury that she wasn't going to. And the jury has been instructed that they cannot hold it against the defendant if they don't um, speak on their own behalf. They're not required. So we don't know. I'm going to expect that her attorneys will definitely not want her to, <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, did Zulema get a deal? We don't know. We don't know. Um, it's been, you know, it's guessed that possibly she has a deal of some sort, but we don't know. We know she has something in Arizona, but we don't know about Idaho. Uh, let's see. So then they go through a bunch more preparing the people conferences, uh, just confirming again that she's there. Melanie G is there. Tad, Chad is there. Some of them Lori's in, some of them she's not. Um so they go through a bunch more of the preparing of people conferences. And then they talk about the uh, preparing the people conference that happened in Boise that Zulema went to and Chad went to. And Lori didn't go to, she canceled her trip last minute because she thought Charles was going to serve her with divorce papers at that event. And Chad said that it was protecting Lori by her not going. And Melanie G was also there. Um, Smith starts asking about the castings again. Were they always the same? And and Zulema said they were similar, but um, not always the same. She also asked, how is casting different from prayer? Prayer is to pray for someone if they needed it. Casting was to cast out demons. And something that was that that got clarified, because if you'll remember, um, Thomas was very confused about the castings. Melanie G didn't explain them very well. Basically what Zulema said is that this is based on the casting out of demons done by Jesus in the new Testament. So this isn't witchcraft. It isn't, you know, based on something else, although they put a lot of their own stuff into it, obviously, but that's what they were basing it on. And that's why they call it a casting. It's confused people thinking this was witchcraft. Maybe that they were casting spells. No, they were casting out demons. Let's see. Oh, Zulema talked about how Chad gave 
of the caster's various gifts. And that like Melanie G's gift was gatherer. That meant that she could bring in people to their group who were awake. And, you know, she did do some of that. She, um, you know, he held some events at her house and stuff. Zulema's gift was to work with the elements. Um, Alex's gift was a warrior. And they talked about that, that he was a warrior and a defender. And that when he was in Rexburg, when, you know, all of the attacks on the U.S. happened and he would be training others um, to also be warriors and protectors. Um, but Smith wanted to know, but who, who was Laurie, who was Alex supposed to protect? And Alex said, or Zulema said, Chad told Alex that his sole purpose in this life was to be Laurie's protector and defender. Something we've thought over and over again, but it was another part of their doctrine. And remember, Zulema has said repeatedly that Alex believed everything that Chad and Laurie said. I think this is, the strategy behind this is really smart because it's setting up that you can't just blame Alex for everything because he was acting at Chad and Laurie's behest. He believed everything that they said and he did everything they said. Um, let's see. Zulema asked Alex if he was okay after shooting Charles. He thought she might be, he might be upset. He killed someone. And he said, Zulema, he was a zombie. Genuinely believed it. Um, oh, Zulema and Lori were talking about how Charles had a million dollar life insurance policy. And Lori said something like, it's okay. I can always put some pills in his water or something. So actually talking about killing him. Zulema also remembers Lori talking about how JJ will live a short life. We'd heard that as well, but they Zulema doesn't remember that being said um, about Tylee, just about JJ. Um, so then Smith kind of redirects Zulema back to the idea that if someone has a direct personal visitation with Jesus Christ, that gives them an elevated status. And so Smith asked Zulema, so... After you knew that about Lori, did you notice that the rules don't seem to apply to Lori? And Zulema said that Lori and Chad taught that they were exalted and that things don't count for them, that they can basically do anything they want because they're exalted. Zulema did say that she wasn't sure she believed that even back then, but she did say that Alex absolutely believed it. Um, Alex Smith wanted Zulema to say who benefited from the deaths of all of the people who died. Um, the defense objected about that. What was the point of that? It was just to say, obviously, it was Lori and Chad every time. Um, so then they we took our afternoon break, and this is when, um, uh, Smith didn't have any further questions for. Uh, Zulema. So we came back from break. Thomas was cross-examining Zulema. He said that her testimony was dramatically different than the morning, and he wanted to know if she had looked at some notes or talked to someone. And she said no, she hadn't. 
And she said that she was just really nervous. And she was, she was terrified, but you could tell that like after lunch, after she knew what it was going to be like, um, it was easier. Uh, how was Lori reacting to Zulema's testimony? It was nearly impossible to tell. All I could see was Lori basically with her face down, looking at her notebook. I didn't see a lot, but in the courtroom I'm in, you can't see very much. And so we'll have to check and see what Nate Eaton or Justin Lum have to say about that because they pay close attention to her reactions and they're in the courtroom. Um, she just said, so she said that she was nervous and that her nerves were worse this morning. And he said, he asked her if she took any medication at lunch and she said, no, but I did eat lunch. And it was a little bit, it was the first time we heard any attitude out of her. And I don't know about the other courtrooms, but our courtroom laughed their asses off because she really owned him. It was pretty funny. Um, so then he asked, he did the thing he always does where he just asks her to, you know, reiterate a lot of stuff she has already said. Um, and I, he's trying to trip her up you know, trying to mess with her credibility. So she talked about how she knew Lori and Melanie G and asked about Zulema being drawn to uh, Lori, you know, because of that personal visitation with Jesus and started asking about Zulema's own spiritual experiences because he's read a lot of her text messages between her and Lori. And um, he knows that she's had some of her own experiences Smith objected to that and wanted to know how her own spiritual experiences were relevant. Thomas said it was to show that Zulema, how Zulema's beliefs connected to Chad and Lori. So it was overruled. So she did have to ask the answer that. So she describes a vision while she was in the Mormon temple. She was sitting at a long, ta long table and seeing a godlike being. And Thomas reminds her that when she describes that, that she's seeing her posterity and her husband. And that he also brought up her desire to be married, um, you know, that came from the blessings that Chad had given her. There's been quite a lot of implication that Chad or that uh, Alex and Zulema got married because Chad and Lori told them to. It's pretty clear in Zulema's um, testimony that that is not true, that they actually got to be close friends during all this stuff they were learning in the castings and all the stuff that went on. And then they decided to start dating. They were certainly encouraged and pressured to get married, but they weren't pressured to be together. That seemed pretty clear that she had genuine feelings for Alex. Um, so then St Thomas starts asking about the castings. And, you know, <laughs> Thomas doesn't get a lot of this stuff. It's pretty clear. But I think that he asks vague questions and remembers things incorrectly and stuff because he's trying to trip up the witness to see if they'll say the same thing they did last time. Um, he wanted to know if the castings were spiritual or physical. And, and Zulema said that they were spiritual, um, not physical. That This wasn't actual physical action on a person. He wanted to know if the castings seemed evil. And she said, no, not at the time. And he said, how about now? And she said, Two children and a mother of five are dead. That is evil. Which I thought was, it was very powerful when she said it. Like, I realize now. I get it, you know. Um, this is when he asked about her job and thought she was a life coach. 
And when she said he was a job coach, he had no idea what that meant. I still don't think he knows what that means. Um, she, you know, said that she helps people find and keep jobs and help people who are disadvantaged or struggling or have a disability. Um, and he said, well, that's a pretty sophisticated job, isn't it? <laughs> she was not really sure what he meant by that. Uh, and he said, well, you're a lot more sophisticated than the people you work with. And she said, well, I'm more knowledgeable than they are. And so then he said, he asked her if she's gullible. And she said, she's thought about that question for a long time. And she said, well, this experience has changed the way that I see things. Trying to imply that she was too smart to get sucked into this. Although what we know is actually very smart, curious people are who get sucked into cults. This is not about being dumb. It isn't. There's a lot of interesting stuff out there. I've been learning a lot about cults lately in preparation for this trial because there's a lot of cult energy here. So then she's asking, he asked her a lot about how she texts Chad a lot. And, you know, she said that she did, that she asked him questions and about spiritual things. She want, He wanted to know why Chad and Lori didn't want Melanie G to hear about... Um, Zulema's light rating and like her past lives and stuff, but she said that she doesn't know. Um, then he majorly misremembers some stuff she said. She was very good with it. She was very calm and clear and said the same stuff that she'd said before. He was trying to trip her up. Um, she said that she did believe Chad and the things that he taught. Um, she asked, he asked her if she'd had a spiritual confirmation of what Chad said. Now, this is a real Mormon thing that you'll be asked to pray about something and then ask for a confirmation if something is the right thing. And it's a feeling or it's a dream or it's an experience of something that confirms if something is true or not. Uh, Zulema said, no, she didn't have a confirmation, but that she believed it to be true because she believed in Chad. So she believed the things that he said about her light rating and her previous lives because she believed in him. Uh, let's see. So then they go through the whole drawings of the creations of worlds and stuff again, um, wanting to know why she gave it to the police and if she drew it, a bunch of stuff. Just more, he's always trying to mess with chain of evidence. He's also always trying to mess with... Uh, if the prosecutor's office has reported everything they're supposed to. So he was asking a bunch of stuff there. It didn't really go anywhere. Um, so then he asks her to explain the whole casting out process again and goes over that in her journal notes, she actually has all the steps written out and she explains all of them. And um, so in those notes, it also says that the body must be burned to destroy it. Um, he asks her if she believed in this, this casting stuff. And she said that she did then. And he said, well, what about now? And she said, now she believes that Chad and Lori made it all up. Um, Zulema also said that she doesn't believe that they have the authority or the right attentions to do the intentions to do the things that they did. She does believe that, you know, demons can be cast out like Jesus did in the Bible, 
she just doesn't think that Chad and Lori should could have should have been doing it because they didn't have the authority and they also didn't have the right intentions. That was a pretty chill, like silent moment. Like that was one of those moments where everybody stopped when she said that. Um, so then he's wanting to know how to spiritually burn a body. And, you know, he's just kind of coming back to that. This was all done spiritually. And, um, Zulema didn't have happiness at the death of Charles. Remember that was Chad saying that to Zulema. She didn't say she was happy. He said he was. Um, so just explaining more of the casting stuff. Um, he asked her if this whole casting stuff came from the Bible. And she said some of it did, but um, that Chad and Lori had definitely added their own philosophy and that most of the casting came from Chad and Lori. And that was the end of the hearing. So we don't have court again until Tuesday of next week. Zulema will be back on the stand for continued cross-examination as well as redirect. So we're going to hear more even. We're not even quite done with her. But this was a really powerful day We to get into the beliefs side of this and why all of these people did the things that they did and what their motivations were and how Chad and Lori worked their little tricks around to making this happen uh, was really powerful. It was a really important part of this case for people to understand that and to understand the techniques that were used on Melanie G and um, that were used on Zulema. And now we're going to see, you know, how many other people felt that way, but you know who else they were used on? And that was Alex. Those three people were sucked in. They were all vulnerable people in some way. And they were all sucked in by the, the love bombing, how charming they were, how they had these amazing spiritual experiences that no one else had ever had. And that, you know, that exalted them and it sucked them in. You know, I, Alex is obviously gone. Um, it does appear that Melanie G and Zulema are aware now that the things that were happening were wrong, but at the time they did fully believe in what they were doing and thought it was for a good reason. And like you said, Bobby, you said, sorry, I thought Z was said it was such a relief that Hiplos was gone. That was actually Chad who said that. But at the time, Zulema thought that he was a zombie and she believed this stuff. Alex believed that they believed it. Right. I'm sure we're going to hear from Melanie Boudreaux-Pulowski and how she was sucked into this as well. I thought that comment that she made about Lori saying that her money would take care of everyone and how that was sad. Very interesting. We're starting to see some of the dynamics within this core group, but we're also starting to see how common scheme conspiracy is the basis of the uh, prosecutor's case. And they're just setting this up one, one witness at a time. So that's everything I have tonight. I hope that's helpful. Um, 
We'll be back next week. We'll be live tweeting as many days as possible. We'll be doing uh, live streams to explain what happened and put it into context of what's happened leading up. Uh, this is my kitty, Sandy. You've mostly seen her tail. Um, but thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging in with me. Thank you for hanging in with us, those of you that have been here forever. And we appreciate all of you who are new as well. Um, yeah, right. The kitty wants to let her take a bow, right? She loves getting into live stream. She loves getting into the camera. That's her favorite thing. But we just really appreciate all of you and your support of us through this process. And we will be back next week with lots more of it. But hey, there's no court on Monday, which I think might mean we might actually be able to bring you one of our usual episodes about something else. But don't worry, there's lots more Valo trial to come. And you know it, we are the True Crime Squad. Thanks for being here.